Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. So listeners, have you ever had to deal with low-balling buyers? In other words, buyers that were uh, of the mindset that they're going to somehow magically, mystically buy a house for essentially wholesale or for less than wholesale. Or they say, when uh, you know, I am only looking for a house that's a great deal. In other words, are low-balling buyers killing your deals? And this is relevant primarily for those of you who are working with buyers, but also if you're on the seller side of the uh, equation, you might be getting low-ball offers from your co-ops or maybe your own buyers are wanting to write low-ball offers. We're going to be sharing with you some very specific drilled down techniques to frankly make it so those people don't show up in your life in the first place. And if they do, how to weed them out of your life so you don't waste time with them. And then if you decide to still work with them, how to coach them to become actual buyers opposed to hopeful buyers. Pretend buyers, right? Yes. Okay. So if you hear uh, us being fired up about this, it's because like you, we actually sold real estate for a living. Yeah. And we did have to actually deal with this IRL in real life, okay? So let's get going on this. We're, this is a two-part series, Are Lowballing Buyers Killing Your Deals? So let's talk about lowball offers. What constitutes a lowball? When is it appropriate or not appropriate? And how can you encourage your buyer clients to stop insisting on offering a price that's unlikely to result in an actual contract? Okay, so what is a lowball offer? What constitutes that? Let's define it since this is the term thrown around all the time. By definition, a lowball offer is an offer that is significantly below market value. Now, we need to define, Julie Harris, what significantly below means. Yes. So this is where the problem starts, right? Because in practice, agents and their clients consider an offer to be a lowball if it's significantly below the asking price. But asking price and market value are not always the same thing. This brings us to the first step in your anti-lowball action plan. Now, again, I want to drill down. I, I think we kind of coasted on actually drilling down on what like people are going to want to percent. Right. So, but let's define that. If you're dealing with an inexperienced seller who has an inexperienced listing agent, chances are anything less than list price is going to be what they perceive as a lowball offer. As, especially after the previous hot seller's market. Exactly. So you're going to have to adjust what your percent is. That's the reason Julie Harris didn't give you an actual percent. That said, I would say in this market, in most of the markets where there is a huge lack of inventory, and it's going to be that way for a long period of time, years, listeners, anything that's less than maybe 3%, Maybe five yeah. percent, assuming it's priced uh, market appropriate in the first that. place. Yeah. Yes, and in some markets where you guys are relatively used to getting like one hundred and five percent, five percent over list, you know, only one hundred and one percent. I was teasing Tammy Irby the other day because she had an open house with almost a hundred people, and she's like, "But I only got three offers." <laughs> so we had to well, recalibrate. You know, really, Julie, yeah. I think a lot of agents know what we're like. They understand the nature of the market because they can do a CMA. Sure. And they're dispassionate about what the CMA is saying. They can see that things are mm -hmm. selling for list or close to list. Yeah. The problem is going to be the inexperienced sellers. The sellers, the sellers have been spoiled from ever increasing, you know, equity, and maybe they even bought Crazy their offers. house. Right, exactly. Yeah. So they have unrealistic expectations. In other words, their expectations are out of alignment with the reality or the buyers. Uh, really, what the buyers expect a home to be priced at in this right. market, or and you might even have a, a market 
where it actually is normal for things to be overpriced by a little – everyone overprices by – we've seen markets like mm-hmm. this where everyone overprices intentionally by a certain percent and then negotiates down by a certain percent anticipating yes. that the buyers are going to want to haggle. We're going to talk about all of that. So step number one, revisit your buyer client's actual qualifications. Maybe that's why they want to come in low. What am I talking about? Well, review your buyer's qualifications before putting your offer together. Speak with their lender to ensure you fully understand their situation, especially as interest rates and lending standards change all the time. Now, hold on. I want to let, don't just roll into your next point because here's the problem. You are not speaking with their lenders, are you? They're showing up in your, in your life and they're saying, I already have a lender. I already have it worked out. Here's my lender's letter yep. or Bob, the lender's got me squared away. You need to call the lender. First of all, make sure they indeed have worked with the lender, that the lender is pr- fully pre-qualified them, had essentially pre-approved, gone- Pre-approved, loan committed, what is it? Loan committed, only thing that the loan is uh, really still contingent on, in essence, is going to be the home appraising. In other words, the three merge credit report has been done, the asset verification, the employment verification. The person actually is a real viable buyer. You need to call the lender and make sure what yes. they're telling you is the truth. Now, I'm not saying the buyers are not telling you the truth. What I'm saying is the buyers don't know the difference. And for you to give them even upper end buyers, they're not going to necessarily realize that that lender that told them that they're approved to buy a house didn't really look at anything, was playing golf at the time. And now you're about to waste your time with a buyer that turns out not this not actually be able to buy. Well, that's right. And meanwhile, while you were showing them all those homes, rates have changed, lending standards, the buyer's credit score could have changed, their ratios, their down payment funds, anything can happen. Even cash buyers can have their situations changed depending on where their funds are coming from. And lender overlays. Maybe the person's in an industry where, frankly, the uh, local market has a lot of people that are, I don't know, making widgets. <laughs> and let's say the widget demand for widgets has fallen and the widget factories are all, you know, supposed going to close. Well, the lenders are going to know about this and the lenders are going to be very apprehensive about uh, giving somebody in that particular industry uh, a loan. And I'll, right. you know, back when the real estate crash happened in 07, 08, there were people in the guess what industry, real estate industry, oh, yeah. all of a sudden found themselves with their credit lines being mm-hmm. uh, removed. I'll lenders, never- appraisers, you know, I mean, it, this is, is a real thing that can happen. Yeah. Yep. And we saw it in COVID in the um, you know hospitality business. Happened yeah, to them too. Exactly. Okay, so here's the whole point in step number one: revisiting your client's qualifications. Why? Because some buyers are lowballing because that's their loan limit and or the limit of their comfort level. Their decision to lowball is based on their situation, not necessarily their opinion of the listing price. Even though they'll say to you that they believe the home's just overpriced. So if that's the scenario, are you showing homes that are actually out of the buyer's realistic price range? If so, it could be just time for a strategy change versus banging your head into the wall with a low ball. And one of the strategy changes could be firing the buyer because they have unrealistic expectations. We teach you about how to do all this at a very high level in Premier Coaching. The link to join Premier Coaching is obviously down below along with Julie's show notes. Um, And you do get the first 30 days of Premier Coaching for free. It's the next natural step for all of you in your real estate careers. Uh, Just scroll down or just go to premiercoaching.com. Yes. So step number one was examining your buyer. Are they actually qualified to buy at, say, the listing price? Or are they just lowballing because 20 grand below that list price is all they're qualified to buy at? Okay. So it might not have anything to do with the listing. All right. Step number two, determine if the listing itself is actually priced correctly. Determine the actual market value of that subject property. It might not be the same as the current list price. Again, the market value might not be what it's listed at. 
do your own comparative market analysis, or CMA, before making the offer to determine value based on actual comps. Look at recently sold comparables and pending sales, as well as how the house stacks up versus the active competition. You'll probably have a pretty good beat on that after showing several properties, but if this is the first one you showed your buyer, maybe not. So determine if it's actually priced right. Why? Well, again, the question, is the listing priced right or isn't it? Note, an offer that's less than the list price of an overpriced home is not a lowball if it's based on comparable sales. And the buyer's going to know the comparable sales, not just from your CMA that you're doing for them showing what's going on in the market, because they're actually real buyers actually out comparing one home to yes. another. So they're going to know the market better than anybody's going to know it. And, you know, so just keep those things in mind. Yeah. So if it's overpriced and you're coming in under list, you're not lowballing. But how do you know? So you're going to review the pertinent facts that can affect the price. I'm going to do these quickly because they can scroll down and get the notes. All right, so review the facts that can affect the price. For example, how long has the listing been on the market? Have there been price changes? Has it been on and off the market several times over months or years? You can look at the history, the archive, and find that. Has the seller recently corrected negative feedback? What are the average days on the market for homes like the listing, and how does it compare? What is the list-to-sell price ratio for the sold and pending comparable sales? So typically in the neighborhood, do sellers, to your point, there are neighborhoods where it's normal to come down 5%. Or maybe it's normal to be over by 5%. Has the seller recently rejected offers? And if so, what was the reason for that? What else can the listing agent tell you about the seller's situation, preferred deal terms like closing and possession dates, which can help you put together an acceptable offer? All right, I'm going to give you guys a bonus point. Julie's points were excellent, but I'm going to drill down more on the last point. Find out who owns the property and then Google their name. Find out what's going on in their lives. Find out if they're maybe an executive and he just got fired or well, maybe... Social media will help you with this. Well, do, drill down. Find out if there's something going on. You're going to find... Everything is online. So uh, yeah, you might find indeed that maybe the seller just won the lottery or maybe the seller just, you know, sold their company or maybe... Lost it all in crypto. Or know. lost it all in crypto. Or maybe you're going to look online and find out they're about to go to jail. I mean, guys, do your homework. It'll put you in a better position. If you don't do this and your buyers do... You're going to look like a, you know what, if they then figured out that you were actually weren't working in their best interest to get them the best price in that house. Very well put, because sometimes it is actually appropriate to come in lower. Well, we took sometimes. a listing. We took a listing once from a very motivated seller because he was about to go to jail. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> it was I on mean, Roslyn. Yes, I do remember that, actually. It's funny. <laughs> and we sold it to our own buyer. We did. He was very motivated. He was. <laughs> Gosh, that's funny. You remember that on Roslyn. Yes. All right. So the next part of this is how does the property look versus the competition? Again, yeah. we're determining whether it's actually priced right or not. And he was very nice for a convicted criminal. Considering. He priced it correctly, didn't haggle on commission. Well, he wasn't going to need the house. No, exactly. So there's that. Yeah. Okay. Coming in lower than the list price on a home that's been on the market for several months with no competing offers, condition issues, and slower no showings, it might be appropriate to come in lower. Coming in lower on the list price and on a home that's been on the market for 24 hours has wall-to-wall -wall showings and open house planned this weekend and all the comparable sales sold for higher than the list price does not warrant a lowball price. Do you see the difference, right? So in one example, maybe it's been sitting around a while, it's got long days in the market, um, as uh, John in Canada says, it's got hair on it, he says, with listings that are, are selling, uh, that are sitting, rather. Um, so versus something that just came on, it's got tons of showings, and you know you're going to have to compete, so you shouldn't come in low. I'm so tempted to give him a script, but I know that you're giving me the stink eye not to step on any of your notes for tomorrow's for tomorrow. show. Can I tell them about 
uh, I'm going to get, if we repeat this tomorrow, it's fine. Sure. So you're going to get off, you're going to get buyers that show up in your life and they're going to say things like, uh, you're going to, uh, it's hard for me just to give you guys this little sliver of information because it's out of context, but in premier coaching, the way that we coach you guys to work with buyers is very similar to the way we coach you to work with sellers. You're going to give them a presentation. You're going to show them and that we get, give you this presentation. It's a canned presentation. We want you to personalize, you know, with your information, your picture, your colors, the your buyer logo, presentation. or the buyer presentation. You're going to take them through this buyer presentation. You're going to show them the process. You're going to, even if they're seasoned agents, you're going to, or seasoned, you know, consumers, you're going to still want them to know the process. They've sold 10 houses. You still want to take them through because it again, establishes yourself as an expert. Then you're going to ask them to sign the agency form. You're going to ask them to sign the buyer agency form. You're going to go through the process. And then what you're going to find sometimes they're, you're going to, you know, then you're going to help them. The next step is you're going to use a technique where you're going to show them a map and you're going to put little pins on the map. You can use stars. It doesn't really matter. You're going to show them the circumference, just the whole thing. We show you guys an entire process to work with buyers. One of our head coaches, Rochelle, who has been with us for 20 plus years, actually was in charge of our buyer agents. And she's one of the coaches in Premier Coaching. And this is one of her favorite topics for obvious reasons. All right. So the buyer is then going to say, uh, you know, I'm looking for something that's really a really good deal, or I'm looking for something that's, you know, they're, they're going to throw up signals to you that you're going to misinterpret that they're going to be a low ball buyer. Yeah. You're going to misread what they're saying because you're going to take them literally. Um, and so they're going to say, I'm just looking for a really good deal. It's almost always a guy. I'll too, only right? write an offer if it's a good deal. And they always sound like that. Or yeah. I want to get, I'm going to steal the house or I want to something like that. All right. So first <laughs> of true. all, uh, when you get a buyer like that, almost always they're an investor type. They're never like a real buyer. Uh, and so you're going to have to, again, we teach you to do this in Premier Coaching. We're going to talk about this more tomorrow on the show. You're going to have to learn to weed those people out because chances are if they're investors, they're working with 10 different agents and they're not going to be loyal to you. And they might even go around your back. Who knows what? Again, these are things that we're hoping you guys learn from coaching and don't have to suffer through from experience. But here's what you're going to ask them. You know, Mr. Seller or Mr. Buyer, rather, I appreciate the fact that you're looking for a really good deal, you know, whatever they said. Uh, but let me ask you, what does that mean to you? Like, what exactly does a really great deal mean to you? You're assuming, Mr. Agent listening right now, Mrs. Agent listening right now, you're assuming it means they're looking for some sort of really, you know, smash and grab low price. 20% off. Or, or 30% off yeah. or whatever. Guess what? Very rarely, even when they say something that's very aggressive about, I want to look for a really good deal. I really want to, you know, whatever. That doesn't necessarily mean it's price. Because if you learn to take that question that or that statement that they made and drill down with questions, what you'll quickly learn is price is a consideration very rarely with a retail consumer, not a wholesaler, not some investor, very rarely is price the most important thing. You will, I, again, oh, what are you talking about, Tim? Interest rates, payments. I get it. But what matters most to most people is the process of actually getting the house. Your job is to get them the house. And that and the house, maybe a good deal to mean, them means they don't have to put much money or work into fixing it up. Yes. Maybe a good deal to them means it's in this neighborhood. Maybe a good deal means to them it's this proximity to work and school. Maybe a good deal to them means it's got enough bedrooms and bathrooms mm -hmm. where they thought they only have a three-bedroom house and now they want a four-bedroom. Or maybe they want, you, you guys get it? But Or maybe it's all those things. But you're not going to uh, know until you actually ask them the question. So I'm looking for a really good deal. Julie, I appreciate the fact you're looking for a good deal. I hear that a lot. Please explain to me exactly what a good deal means to you. And if they then say, well, I want something that's 50% off, red flag, you can explain to them uh, what's going on in the market. And if they still insist 
that they're wanting to essentially get something that doesn't exist, a unicorn house, you then need to give yourself permission to hit the eject button working with them because those people are the very types of buyers that will never buy. They're not buyers. They're lookers. They're just hopeful buyers. And maybe they're looking to purchase something at half off because or whatever because they're investors or most likely it's because they can't afford anything. They're not qualified, and you then need to go and call their lender. You see why Julie wrote these points in the order in which she did? You might have somebody, when you ask the right questions, and we teach you this in Premier Coaching, who are going to say, I'm looking for a really great deal, or I'm looking for this or the other thing. Then you're going to say, what does that mean to you? A A seller that's willing to finance, a seller that's willing to give me a second mortgage, a seller that's willing to those types of things. Mm -hmm. You then need to go to the MLS. You need to, you know, show them what's going, the reality of the market. There's not going to be too many owner finance willing uh, sellers in a market where the days in the market is as low as it is now. Explain that to them. And then you're going to discover that the only way they can buy is if they do owner financing or something like that. You're going to have to learn to ask more questions and give yourself permission to not try to make a piece of coal into a diamond. What's called fishing in a lake with no fish, right? Yeah, basically. In some cases. So what I hear you saying, and I think you're spot on, and this is very reflective of, A, the fact that we had to ask all those questions when we were selling. Well, we learned. We learned. Most of it was hard-learned lessons, right? Exactly. Which we try to tell you you guys listening stories to save you from having to experience the same thing. But, you know, just because somebody shows up in your life as a potential buyer does not necessarily mean they're actually going to buy. And the problem is when you don't have enough leads, I see this with you know, agents that are not as proactive and newer agents, you know. Don't get past that. So you yeah. you will tend to you have a tendency to work with unmotivated, unqualified, unrealistic, you know, buyers when you don't have enough leads. Right, because you want that so bad. You want them to buy so much. Right. You want to believe in their ability to buy, their desire to buy, their motivation, their qualifications. But sometimes you want it more than their ability can deliver. Think about, again, Julie's dropping some truth bombs on you guys. What if you're working with one of these millennials who have been living in these really amazing apartment complexes yeah. where there's you know, pools and cappuccino makers and there's valet car parking. They wash your car. Drone delivery on their doorstep. You guys get the point. (laughs) Massages three times a day. Okay. That's where they've been living. They don't, and, and you know, they don't or won't be willing to sacrifice that lifestyle. So they have unrealistic expectations. They're not going to be able to replace that rental lifestyle uh, with all those amenities with, you know, essentially purchasing, say, a fixer upper on the other side of town. If that is their you know, lying in the sand that they're not going to want to sacrifice on the lifestyle that they currently have. Maybe show them a couple things that are in their price range. And then if they're still like stuck on the fact that they have, you know, caviar dreams on a beer budget or whatever, champagne dreams on a beer budget, give yourself permission to not work with them. Otherwise you're going to frustrate yourself. Stop trying to make unqualified buyers or sellers for that matter, unmotivated sellers uh, stop waiting around and thinking that you're going to charm them into being motivated or qualified because ultimately what that's going to do is you're going to waste all your time and energy working with unmotivated folks that are never going to transact where you could have set those guys aside and then focused on finding people that are actually going to want to transact. There will be millions of those folks, millions in the next 12 months. There's projected to be a million more home sales in the next 12 months than there were in the past 12 months and on and on and on. Don't waste time with people that won't transact. 
The key here is learn how to be a proactive lead generator. And when you generate leads, you do not have to tolerate the Mickey Mouse that comes with unqualified, unmotivated leads. And again, bottom line here, guys, is when you work with buyers, all of you should, no matter how successful you are as a listing agent, pre-qualify them. Use our scripts. Really, you know, call the lender. Find out what's going on in their lives. Do some homework and find out if maybe there's some legal things that are happening on the listing side of things, like we suggested a second ago. This is what it takes to become the best version of yourself as a real estate professional. This is how you actually build a brand. You don't, guys, there's a great saying, I think Charlie Munger said it or uh, Warren Buffett said it, don't try to make yourself famous, try to make your the, the results you get for other people as from your work famous. In other words, you're not famous for being fam- famous, you're famous for, or rather you have a great reputation, that's really what branding is, it's your reputation, you have a great reputation because of the fact you earned it from actually helping a lot of people. I heard uh, Tony Robbins say this in a video over the weekend, I thought it was really you know, poignant. So if you look at somebody else's success, they have more than you, they sell more homes, they have more money, they have the things that you want and you're jealous or you're envious or you don't understand. Maybe you actually are more skilled. Maybe you are prettier, taller, you know, the whole thing. And you cannot understand why this other person has actually achieved more than you have in general in life. What I'm telling you is true. It's because they did what they didn't want to do and they didn't want to do it at the highest level for long periods of time. Now, Here's what Tony said with regards to that, because he has his own version of that. What you want to realize is that the difference between somebody who's achieved the highest levels of success in, in life is because they've helped more people than people that haven't. So if you don't, uh, if you aren't living the life that you want, have the level of success and achievement and satisfaction and purpose and meaning in your life, it's at the level that you know you're capable of. You're not too old. You're not not too fat. You're not too anything. It's just you need to wrap your mind around. There's a direct correlation between the number of people you help and the amount of essentially, you know, the quality of life that you experience. The, The highest level of yourself on this planet comes from helping more people. Now, by helping more people, I'm not telling you to do things for free. Uh, why does Tom Cruise, why can he get $40 million or $50 million a movie? Well, why does you know the agent in your marketplace make millions of dollars per year where you're struggling to make $100,000 per year? Adjust accordingly, right? It's because they're helping more people. Their mindset, whether they will say it like this or not, is I need to actually service more people. You know, I'm thinking of like an EXP Realty, our friend Veronica Figueroa or Carrie Shaw or some of these other top agents that sell hundreds of homes per year. Well, their mindset is selling a unit, making more money. I mean, they're thinking like business people, but really the underlying thing that they're doing is they're helping solve other people's problems, which is helping them buy or sell real estate. They are in a, the people, they're in a people helping business and they're doing it at a higher level than other agents in their, you know, their marketplaces. You guys get it? That's the real true formula. What you are in, in, if you put your mind at, you'll put your mind at ease because a lot of you are, uh, you, it creates discomfort when you think about, you know, some of you are uh, thinking that, you know, I'm, you know, greedy or you're thinking of, of too much about like materialism or just, you know, those types of thoughts that I don't want to be perceived as somebody that's desperate or a pushy salesperson, all this sort of mental, emotional, socialized garbage that floats around in your head. All of those things are standing in the way fear-based things, ego-based things are standing in the way for what really is the bottom line for all of us. Our highest and truest purpose on this planet is being of service to other people. Again, I'm not telling you to sacrifice your time on this planet 
being of service to other people for free. Absolutely not. Be of service to other people and charge as much money as the market will pay you. That is really the formula for success. Doesn't that make sense? So how do you do that? You have to become somebody that those people are willing to pay to have, you know, you help them solve their problem. That does not come from how many followers you have on TikTok. You all know that. That comes from the skill set, the earned skill set, you know, the value that you present. When you're talking to buyers and sellers, the things that you say, how you solve their problems, that's how you make yourself legendary. That's how you build your brand, which is really truly your reputation. You guys get it? I know this does not resonate with all of you. And I want you to ask yourself why. Uh, the reason it doesn't resonate with all of you is because what I'm telling you means that you have to do things that you don't want to do when you don't want to do them. That means you're going to have to learn how to do things that in the short term will make you uncomfortable. Those are all true things. So if you're looking for the easy button, you won't like what I just said. If you're looking for the next shiny object, you won't like what I just said. But for those of you who are serious about living, you know, becoming the highest version of yourself, the best version of yourself as a real estate practitioner, which means you will, the market will welcome you with open arms and you will be able to solve, you know, the problem of buying or selling real estate for hundreds, if not thousands of homeowners and want to be homeowners, home buyers, right? That's where you want to gravitate your mind towards. So if your resistance is, I don't want to be seen as a, a pushy salesperson, so I'm not going to learn scripts. I'm not going to do a presentation. I'm not, you're just not ready for what I'm telling you. That's the truth. You're just not ready for the, the, you know, essentially the next version of yourself to emerge. You want to, you know, you want to, you know, move things around in your plate a little bit more. Think about things a little bit longer. You want to get ready to get started for a little bit longer. Here's the problem. You don't get that time back. You can't roll the time. You can't roll the clock back. You're getting older. And the other thing that's happening is the longer you wait to become successful in real estate, the longer you wait to give yourself permission to become successful in real estate, okay, the less likely you are actually to become successful in real estate or anything in life because you start doubting yourself. You're going to see other people or read about other people, uh, you know, who are in the business for half the amount of time you are and they're achieving at levels that you can't achieve at or you're not willing to allow yourself to achieve at. Notice I'm not saying you can't do it because all of you can. Selling real estate, frankly, is easy. Doing what Julie and I ask you to do in Premier Coaching as your primary, you know, focusing on proactive lead generation and these other things, it's just talking mostly, right? It's just you having conversations. It's you following a script. It's you, it's easy stuff. It doesn't require, you know, you know how to, knowing how to make complicated lead generation funnels or fancy videos or doing a thousand videos or making yourself the mayor of your town. None of that. What we want you to pro, do is learn how to be an effective, proactive lead generator. And when you do that, it's you having conversations that are, you know, designed to uh, prove, you know, provide value to the person you're talking with and then generate a lead. When you start seeing yourself and feeling yourself doing that and you, and then you start generating actual closed deals from it, your life pivots. I want you to imagine that you wake up tomorrow morning. I want you to imagine yourself doing this and you have become a premier coaching client. You know exactly what to do. You have a schedule because that's obviously the essence of a, you know anybody who is going to achieve things in life. They're following a schedule. You have a minimum daily standards of maybe three to five things. And one of those three to five things is you're going to proactively um, you know, lead generate to say, for example, 10 people a day. And you know what that mixture has to be. Some of them are centers of influence and past clients. A couple of them are expired, that type of thing. I want you to imagine you actually having done that. Now it's the end of the day. You know in the morning you worked out, 
You showed gratitude towards the people you love. You did your proactive lead generation. You did your, you know, your lead follow-up. You took your supplements. You know, there's, you're going to decide what your minimum standards are. I just gave you some of mine. So now at the end of the day, what did you do? Look at all the things you accomplished. You worked out. You networked when you were at the gym. Good for you. You've taken your supplements. <laughs> you did 10 proactive lead generation calls. You maybe set an appointment. You have, you guys get it. You're building momentum. You will not get results in a meaningful way uh, for a long period of time. That's the nature of everything in life. Everything that you want in life is going to take, you know, five times longer than you think it should for sure. Everything worth having takes longer. Anyone who's telling you that their shortcuts are easy buttons, Honestly, I guys, you should intuitively know by now, because you're all grown-ass adults, that there are no shortcuts in life. There just aren't. Not for things that really matter the most. There are no shortcuts. I wish there were, but there aren't. There's a cost to everything. Be willing to pay the price. Most people aren't. And the bigger goal you have, the more price there is to pay. That is the truth. Again, I know this doesn't resonate with a lot of you. A lot of you want to believe there's an easy button. A lot of you want to look for shortcuts. The world has told you that rich people have inherited it or rich people somehow have cheated for it or something like that. None of those things are true. The percent of people who are you know, worth a million to $5 million, uh, the percent that inherited it is like, I don't remember the exact number, but it's basically nothing. Most people that have built a, you know, a, a single digit, you know, millionaire status have done it in their own lifetimes by being business owners, a whole bunch of them in real estate and doing the, exactly the things we tell you guys to do in premier coaching. You have made the right decision when you got your real estate license. I'm here to tell you, despite what other people might be telling you, this is one of the most exciting markets for those of you who are going to be ambitious. Everything is hard reset. All the markets, all that, every market uh, in the United States right now is going through a hard reset, which is great because the level, the playing field has been leveled. Even the most experienced agents uh, are having to essentially retool their mindset and their approach to the market. So you are, as say, for example, you're a new agent, you can actually go into one of these markets where there's a lot of well-established agents and you can go after their expired listings. You can do things that are going to be proactively generation focused in those marketplaces and you'll start taking listings. There are so many opportunities that happen in a marketplace like this that don't happen in, a, say, a booming seller's market, which we're coming out of. So you are in the right place at the right time. Now, it's critical that you take the right actions. What are the right actions? Well, in our humble opinion, that's going to be joining Premier Coaching, right? Obviously, that's the next natural step for all of you who are serious about your businesses. But this podcast, frankly, has been the next leg up for many of you. And thousands of you listen every single day. Julie and I sincerely appreciate the honor of being your real estate coaches. We, it, it, you're helping us be in alignment with our highest and truest purpose on this planet, which is being of service to others. And the others we've chosen to be of service to are all of you. So thank you for allowing us that honor and our pleasure and helping us be in alignment again with our highest and truest purpose. In the meantime, join Premier Coaching. The link is down below or just go to premiercoaching.com. And remember, we're doing 50 um, meetups in you know, a city near you, probably very near you, 
uh, just go to harrisrealestatemeetup.com or you can click the link below and check out the website, which lists all the cities where we're doing meetups. And then RSVP, maybe you want to host one of the meetups. Participate. We're doing these so that all of you guys can you know, move away from your keyboards, go outside in the community, get to know other, like, other like-minded real estate professionals that see this as their opportunity, that know that they're in the right place at the right time. Other podcast listeners, coaching clients of ours, obviously, and a lot of folks from our EXP Realty group. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.